that features interviews with industry experts, successful vacation rental owners, and more, all geared toward helping you make it happen. Here's your host, Heather Bayer. Well, hello and welcome to another episode of the Vacation Rental Success Podcast. This is your host, Heather Bayer, and we are back from San Antonio. Wow, what a weekend it was. Just amazing. Mike and I are going to pick it up and do a review of VRSS 18 next week. But uh, just just to let you know that if uh, if you did go and we talked, thank you so much for 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 coming. It was amazing to see so many old friends, new friends, watching everybody networking. As I say, Mike and I are going to talk about it next week and and bring you some of the some of the nuggets, some of the the most interesting things that we got out of the weekend and uh, and share that with you next week. So I'm not going to say much more about it at the moment, except that my goodness, was it ever hot? Uh, I think it hit just under a hundred degrees one day, and then unfortunately on the Sunday. Just as we wrapped up, the heavens opened, there were huge thunderstorms, and I know that a number of people got uh, got caught at San Antonio Airport and got delayed on their way home. So, so sorry about that, but I, I certainly heard from a few that there were, there were so many people who were caught up in San Antonio that they got to continue their networking. So, there's always a benefit in, in a... Uh, a delay of any sort. You can make those benefits, you know. You don't have to complain about it. And next week, I'm going to tell you my little event at uh, San Antonio Airport. I didn't leave till the Monday, so I, I didn't actually get caught up in anything. But uh, as I say, I'm going to be sharing that next week. So now that I'm back, I've gone into property sales in a big way. I have put my cottage, my rental cottage on the market. I've put my home on the uh, on, on the listings. And also my little piece of land in the Bahamas, sadly, has also gone up for sale. And it's been, it's, it's always, it's an interesting process with the, with the, with the Bahamas land, we're using a realtor uh, because with, with that type of sale, I need the expertise of a realtor to handle that. Um, and actually, selling in the Bahamas, the commission rate is 10%. So that, that's quite a big chunk out of the, uh, the sale price that we're giving to a realtor. But on, on this occasion, it, it, it's the right thing to do. However, for my other two properties, I'm going it alone and uh, doing for sale by owner. I've done this on all six other properties and done it very successfully. So watch this space. We shall see how it goes. One of the reasons I'm doing it on my own, and particularly for the cottage, is because it is so tough to find a realtor, either residential or commercial, who understands the short-term rental space. They don't understand how we can sell these properties at a premium because they have rental history. But for a commercial realtor, it just doesn't fit in with their model of residential rentals because it's not residential rentals. And for a residential realtor, they just want to sell the property as a home, as a second home, as a vacation home. And they don't see that people are coming into this industry wanting to buy properties with rental history and will actually pay for that 
they'll, they'll pay for all the repeat guests. I mean, for, for Kingfisher Cottage, 60% of our guests are returning. They return year after year. And we have a couple who come three or four times a year. So what we are selling is not just the, the property itself, but also the current rentals that are already in there, plus the goodwill generated by all these repeat guests. So this is the topic of this week's podcast, and it's an interview I did. Uh, I recorded it, in fa- recorded it, in fact, a few weeks before VRSS. So you will hear some mention of us talking about the upcoming VRSS conference. But in fact, I wasn't able to um, to publish it before now because my, my guest project wasn't really near completion at that time. But as it is almost ready to go, I wanted to get this out to everybody because I think this is so important. So my guest today is Erica Muller from vrolio.com. That's V-R-O-L-I-O.com. For those of you who listen to the podcast, you'll have heard Erica before. She's been a realtor for 16 years in Orlando, and, and, and she has significant experience in selling in the vacation rental market. So we are, we are talking about buying and selling, investing in vacation homes. And one of the most important things is looking at your property with the end in mind, because every vacation rental property is going to be sold at some point in the future. And you need to really think about how you're going to get that sold. And if you leave it until you decide to sell, to start pulling together all your figures and all your reasons why you should charge a premium for the vacation rental, the short-term rental element of it, then you could be leaving a lot of money on the table. So let's let's move on over without further ado to my interview with Erica Muller of Rolio.com. Delighted to have with me today uh, Erica Muller, who is the founder and CEO of Vrolio, which is a startup for real estate and vacation rentals. Now, I've had Erica on the show twice before. Gosh, episode 12, that's going back a bit. And then episode 145, where we've talked on both occasions about investment in vacation rentals. So we're going to be carrying on this theme today. So Erica, thanks for joining me for the third time. Well, thank you for having me, Heather. I'm so excited to be here and talk to you again. Every time I talk to you, it's exciting and fun. So thank you. Well, it's uh, it was a pleasure to sit down with you in Orlando for um, for, for, for an hour or more and and talk through what uh, Vrolio is. And we're going to come back to that a little bit later. But for now, we're going to talk about sort of ent- entry and exit into the vacation rental business because everybody's oh, so, so focused on what happens after you enter and before you exit, you know, the actual renting in between the in between the renting of a property, the operating of a rental business or rental property management business. But the two bits that are so required, you know, how you buy a property, how you invest, and then how, how you exit at the end are just left out. So that's what we're going to be discussing today, right? I like to think of that as a sandwich and the in-between part is kind of the meat and everything that's inside of the sandwich. And then the entry and exit is the bread. And I agree with you. I feel like the bread gets left out of everything Um, and everyone's focusing on what's in it, but they don't take the time to put the sandwich together. Does that make sense? 
yeah, I think that's a great way of looking at it. And yes, you can have very thin and flimsy bread. <laughs> you yeah. can have something really substantial that yes. uh, that holds the insides together. How's that? Yes. That's not a bad analogy, it. is it? I love it. I love it. I think it needs a graphic and everything. Oh, that yes, yes, we can do that. <laughs> you know that I've bought um, numerous vacation rentals and I've sold many of them and found it really, really difficult to sell. It's been, it was challenging. It, it got better towards, you know, the last one I sold. But one of the reasons that I think that I struggled the first three or four times to sell those properties, when I got into buying them, I wasn't even thinking, I didn't have the end in mind. And I, right. and I know from your perspective, you think that everybody who invests in, in a property should be structuring their business from day one around the future exit strategy. Correct. Absolutely. That's, that's enormous. I mean, that every, anything you invest in, you should always be thinking about the exit strategy and on a short-term rental, what I've noticed in the 10 plus years of working in the investment side of it is that nobody thinks about the exit strategy when buying a short-term rental. They just think about how fun it's going to be to use it and rent it out and make money on it. That's not good business because if you don't start structuring it from day one to suit your exit strategy down the road, you're going to miss out on too many opportunities that you can't get back. Opportunities that would generally net you more money when you go to sell it. Okay. T- tell me a bit about these opportunities. Sure. So um, when you're investing in a short-term rental property and you have your exit strategy in mind, when you start from the beginning, um, you have to look at several things. Uh, the very first one would be how you structure your marketing. Is your marketing um, being structured in such a way that it would be easy to package it and sell it to somebody else? If you're using a website platform that's you know that's hosted with multiple other websites and it's one of these start uh, templates type of sites, that's not really something that you could pass on to somebody else. But if you're developing something on your own, you're putting a little bit of time and money into this, maybe starting a WordPress site, uh, structuring it correctly, and uh, using call to actions on your site, collecting an email list from it, that's a valuable asset that you're building over the course of your rental, and the rental's obviously paying for it, that becomes a valuable asset when you go to sell your rental. Um, If you have organic traffic coming into your rental or coming into your website and not just solely dependent on Airbnb and these large listing sites, you now have a a self-sustaining asset that can bring in more bookings to the site, which will probably never happen. But if anything happened to Airbnb or Verbo or whatever, you you can function on your own. You're independent. Um, so that's one thing that I feel owners really need to pay attention to is the marketing and how they're structuring that, um, as well as the, the emails that come in every time somebody is on your site, if you have a chat set up, they send you an email, or if they request something about bookings, you get their email address and you can start building an email list of people who have inquired on your property. And then a separate list of people who have stayed at your property that you can remarket to. Um, a, a list that can be remarketed to is incredibly valuable as an asset to a, any business. Um, we know, and I know you know this, that uh, a remarket list gives you the ability to, um, in Facebook, to reach people that are similar to that that uh, demographic of people that stayed at your home. Um, you can hit them with specials to come back to your home, getting them to come back over and over again. That's what we call in commercial real estate goodwill. 
Um, goodwill is the people that are going to come back and come back again and again because they've had a good experience the first time. And there is a, there is a, um, a value, a number of value to that when you go to sell a business, um, it, you know, for the goodwill. So creating that goodwill for your property as a business is incredibly important in that way. Um, getting the reviews onto the Airbnb uh, profile and the HomeAway profile, those reviews are goodwill. Those reviews, I don't know if people think about this, but those reviews actually can translate to more income on the property because the more people that see the reviews will be more willing to book the home. And so if you had, if you didn't have those reviews, if you didn't put the time and energy into creating those reviews, the, there'd be less people booking the property and the property wouldn't be generating as much money. So this is how a short-term rental is so different from a long-term rental. Um, on a long-term rental property, you can just put it on the market and somebody will rent it. But on a short-term rental, the entire investment is structured around the goodwill that you build. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes a huge amount of sense. And, okay, and as I say, that's, you know, something that, that I learned over, over time. And, and I know when, um, when I, I sold my last property and I sold it, you know, significantly, um, for significantly more than what my local realtor told me was the current market value. And because I had these additional assets, we, we had 60% of repeat guests. So That's I huge. had all their information and their email addresses and also our email, as you said, our email list of all um, guests who'd inquired about the property. So we were able, right. able to actually go to those guests and say, hey, look, I mean, this was another advantage there because we we're able to go to that list and say, hey, look, we're selling this place. And, mm -hmm. and we had a lot of interest, actually, oh, yeah. in the sale of the place from, from people who'd stayed there before or people who had inquired about it. Um, not, not that we sold to one of those, but we had people coming through the property and talking about it to their friends who had been on those lists. So years ago, when I started, you know, sold a couple of properties, you know, maybe eight, ten years ago, I didn't have that. And... It was much harder to convince somebody to pay over the current market value for a second home because right. I'm telling them that it's a business. And, and yeah. even with having a couple of years of, of figures to show that I'd had people coming in and paying this much and this was the occupancy, there was a, so much value in, in those lists as well. So that, that was a, I think that was a great point you make. Um, oh, yeah, there's so much value in it. And and one thing, too, that I, I didn't even touch on was that on that topic of structuring it from day one is everything you do uh, to your property, the systems you use, how you do it, where you order your, your supplies from, all of that is something that the new owner is going to need to know. So if you can start keeping uh, like a, a manual on how to run the house, not not a guest book for the users, to, uh, for the renters to look at, but a manual on how to run the house. And every time you try something new and it works, put it in the manual, keep a system for it. If you have systems on how to run the house, that's you're selling now, you're not just selling the house, you're not just selling the business, you're selling them how to use the business. Because if you turn over a list to them, you turn over uh, property profiles to them, they still don't know how to do anything with it. So creating a manual on how you respond to your guests when they email you on e Airbnb. What do you say to them? Do you have emails that you can template out and 
put that in there for them. Um, as much as you can do to scale your business in such a way that you could just pass it on to someone else like a McDonald's almost, and anyone could come in and run it, push the button and it works, makes your business all the more valuable. And I'll go to an example uh, here in Orlando of a property that one of my clients purchased um, about $40,000 over the value of similar ones in the same community based on the fact that the owner had everything we just talked about. Not only did he have an entire manual that was probably 100 pages long, which was incredible, but he also offered to stay on, not as an owner, but he also offered to stay on as a coach for the first 30 days and do a one hour a week coaching session with the owner to make sure that the integration process happens smoothly. And that was one of the factors that pushed the investor over the edge to move forward with the property. When he threw in that, the investor had no more hesitations. So having that manual, having all of the marketing structured properly in such a way that it can be easily transferred over, the guest list we talked about, not only to market to if someone wants to buy it, but so that the new owner can remarket to the existing guests, and be able to turn this over with the investor not having to worry about if they're not going to know what to do, that makes it so, so valuable. And if you've purchased your home and the entire time you've owned it, you've been running around like a chicken with your head cut off. You haven't been running it like a business. You don't really know what you do, how, how you get back to people. You just handle it as it, as it comes in. Um, you have some stuff saved on your computer, some stuff, stuff saved online. You don't really have anything in one place. That's going to be really difficult for you when it comes time to turn that over to an investor. Um, and when an investor is doing their due diligence, they're going to ask you if you have stuff like this. They're going to they're going to want to know, do you have an operating manual for the home itself? Do you have all of this marketing data that I can look at? Do you have the demographic and insights that you get off of your Facebook page um, of visitors and who's looking at it? They're going to want to see this stuff. So having it preparing that from day one and keeping track of it from day one really gives you a huge advantage over other people trying to sell their short-term rental um, or any property for that matter to an investor. I've, I've talked to Ben Edwards uh, in the past and <clears throat> Ben gets is, is very involved with the buying and selling of property management companies. And, right. And what you just said is the is is the advice that he gives to property management companies, you know, about a buyer coming in and doing their due diligence and and having all the you know, standard operating procedures for absolutely everything. So a new a buyer can walk in and it really is turnkey. The business is turnkey. And yeah, and this makes is sense. this is no different from you know a, a property management company with with two hundred and fifty companies to an individual owner that's just selling one property. It's exactly the same. Other element to it that you just mentioned that I think is so important, and this certainly happens with the sale of property management companies, is that often the the principles will stay on for mm -hmm. I mean, with a, with a company. It's you know with a larger company, it's generally for for six months to a year to be there to answer questions and to just steer the new owners in the right direction and make sure they're going to be able to operate it in in um, in the same successful way. I love the idea of an ind individual owner saying that, you know, I'll still, I'll be there for you. If, if you have a problem, if you don't know how to deal with a guest, if you have a, a, a negative review, just give me a call and I'll help you through it. My son, Mike, and his wife have uh, are just completed the sale of Seabreeze, which is um, their property on Lake Ontario. And Mike has offered exactly this to the incoming owners. 
And, and again, as you said, this is one of the reasons that he was able to sell the property for a, a very significant figure over the, uh, the, the current market value of the property. Because, you know, it's just another service that, that he brings. So um, you make some gr really great points there. Thank you. Yeah. And um, one thing about investors that I think owners should really understand if they haven't been able to put themselves back in their shoes is they should put themselves back in the investor's shoes. They want to they wanna feel secure with the investment. Um, we see a lot in when you're buying and selling businesses, especially people inflating the numbers, people saying it does this and it does that, but they don't have anything to back those numbers up. Um, and so there's kind of a skepticism that investors have when buying anything that is business related. And I, I can understand that because I've, I've had that experience. So the, the more you can give them the security and good records and all of that, it really does help push the sale through. And 100%, I, I know this for a fact, it definitely justifies a premium on your property. Because if you have to start from scratch as an investor with an empty property, with no experience in the short-term rental business, there is going to be a long, hard learning curve for you, and your rates are going to be lower. You're not going to be as um, your occupancy rate is going to be lower, and you're going to be losing a specific amount of money for the time that that property is getting up and running. For an investor to be able to come in and just immediately ha be handed over a, a well-oiled machine with income coming in, it's definitely pre justifies the premium. And I know I said that already, but I want owners to understand that so they can get into the mindset of I am a business owner, not just a homeowner with a property that I rent out. Because when you can get into that mindset, then you'll start structuring it like that business that it is. Yeah, let me go back on this, you know, valuing valuing the property. Um, sure. Because I think this is, this is something that everybody who's selling um, a, a short-term rental uh, encounters because a short-term rental sits in that sort of neverland between selling just a second home, a vacation home, or selling a commercial business. You know, I know from experience that getting a valuation is a real challenge. A, a realtor who is not experienced with vacation rentals is is just not looking at it in those business terms. And then on the other side, from, from a commercial real real estate point of view, it doesn't fit in with the standard residential rental type of unit. So right. how do they, they go about getting this valuation? That's a really good question. And it's, I've said this before, I, I feel like short-term rentals have become the black sheep of the real estate industry in terms of being able to give them a valuation. And the reason why, and like you just mentioned, it doesn't fall into any of the categories if we apply the commercial real estate formulas to them, the valuations become way too high. If we apply the cap rate formula, the valuation is just ridiculously high. The market would never support it. Um, and it's not a commercial property. So a lot of the factors don't even apply. We, we've tried other commercial formulas as well. And there's not enough. There's too much variable data that comes in on a short-term rental to apply that formula. So we've actually been working on our own formula based on the years and years of, of selling them and crunching numbers that we're pretty, we're pretty happy with. And on Rolio, you can just go and fill out some information about your home and you'll be get, you'll get a valuation of what your home should be selling at. So we're, we're really excited to be able to offer that now to owners that they can just go to Rolio, put in some information regarding their home and the art Rolio will give you an estimated valuation of what that property should be selling for. Um, and this is assuming that the owner is being honest with everything they put in. It, it's, it's hard because 
there is no standard formula out there. And we've had to actually create one based on years of numbers and experience and, and data. Um, so that, that's my best solution right now is to just go to Rolio and use our valuation tool because we've designed it from years and years of collecting data on this and crunching numbers. Um, and it took us a little while to come up with a, for- a formula that works, but we feel like we really have it down now. One thing that owners have to understand is that we are not valuing a house, like you said, we're valuing a business. So uh, technically the value of the home itself, if it was just a house sitting there, it's not going to change. That value is going to be the same regardless of whether it's rented or not rented, if it's a short-term rental or a long-term rental. It's the property and the land that it sits on has a, a, a very um, static valuation compared to its the comps. But what we're adding on to it is everything we just discussed in the previous question is all of the business uh, data that you have, the marketing data, the income, the uh, appreciation, the furniture, all that stuff has a specific value to it. So that's what we're calculating in to give the price to sell it for is the property's value plus everything else that's being sold with it. Well, I wish I'd had this years ago. Although, you know, I'm, I'm thinking that in, in my last sale, I think I probably did okay. Um, it sounds like you did really well. Yeah, not not too bad, but it, it it took a long time. You know, it just it just had to be that the person who came along was was ready to buy a turnkey operation, and you know, again, they knew that I was going to be handholding them for a long time afterwards. And actually, two years on, we're still doing a little hand a little handholding occasionally. But but they've done an amazing amazing job on um, picking up the reins and and running with it, and hopefully. The way it was delivered to them was, you know, it was done in such a way that made it an easy, easy task for them. So let's let's swing this back around a little bit and start talking about uh, investors who are currently looking for for a property and what they should be looking for. Because, you know, I know that a lot of people who listen to this podcast haven't bought a property yet. You know, they're just getting into the industry. They see it as something that's that's lucrative, something that that maybe could take them away from their day jobs. And I, I've, under, I've, I've talked to a lot of people who are doing vacation rental as a full-time business now. And they started out with that very first investment. If somebody's out there deciding that, you know, they, they want to buy a property, but they're not sure where, they're not sure what they should look for, what tips can you give them? So what I would tell that person is that you first need to decide what kind of an investor you are. Do, are you the kind of an investor that can has the holding power if you're taking a mortgage to hold a payment until this property becomes profitable? So if you don't mind that, you might get a better price for a property because you're not paying a premium for the rental business that we just discussed but you do have a learning curve and you will become that person that it be, it's a full-time job getting it off the ground. If you're, if you're the kind of an investor that's looking to add an income producing asset to your portfolio, something that isn't going to take over your whole life, it's not going to be a full-time job if you don't want it to be, then you should be looking at the turnkey properties that owners have to sell. So that's the very first question is what, what do I want? What can I handle? What is my um, what does my financial situation look like? Most investors that I work with um, and that I have worked with over the years 
no, none of them want to hold a mortgage payment without income coming in. Um, if someone's paying cash for a property, uh, then it's really not usually a big deal. However, I'm a big fan of leveraging leveraging cash, so I wouldn't want to dump all my money into one property anyway if I could diversify that into multiple properties and leverage the bank's money. Um, but if you are paying cash, if you are taking a mortgage, which the bulk of people are doing, then that mortgage payment creeps up on you every month. So really getting into something that an owner has already got off the ground, I feel is the best solution for that type of an investor. So that would be the very first thing. The next thing you want to look at um, is the markets and the areas where, you, where you're going to invest in. We have so many problems, right? Well, I don't want to call them problems. I feel they're more like roadblocks at the moment with regulations happening all over the place and popping up. We actually have a full-time team that is monitoring all of the um, major major uh, cities in the United States and collecting the data on what's what's legal, what's not legal, short-term rental regulations. And we have a heat map on Vrolio that you can actually go onto. And anywhere in the US, and we're working on getting the data for all over the world, you can look on the heat map and it will show you our red zones, our yellow zones, and the green zones. Um, it's very important before you even think about investing in anything that you look into the yellow and, and green zone areas where regulations are a bit more friendly to short-term rentals. Um, because if you're going into a red zone area and you know it's in the regulations are up for debate or it's in moratorium or people are fighting it, that's going to be a losing battle for a lot of owners sometimes. Like what happened in was it San Diego, I believe, Heather? Nashville's voting on it. Um, but we obviously don't want to see that happen anywhere. As an investor, you don't want to get into an area where you buy today and then tomorrow it's not going to be allowed. To you're not going to be allowed to do short-term rental. So it's important to pay attention to the zoning regulations, utilize the heat map. Um, and once you've identified areas that are, are friendly for investing, from that point, you want to look at the, um, the property prices and the rental income. So property prices really are the first thing that I take a look at is, you know, out of the green zone areas, where are the best property prices that are, um, you know, the, the properties are selling for at the moment versus the amount of tourism, tourism coming in. So that's kind of how I would go identify an area. And you can do all of this on Vrolio. So when you break it down like that, you you figure out what type of home you're looking for in terms of what the arrangement looks like from the owner selling it. And then you look into where you can invest. That's a safe area to invest for short-term rental. Um, and then after that, it becomes on a very local level. After you decide on the market, it, it's, it kind of boils down to, do you want a condo, a townhouse, single family? And, and all of that will determine the type of guests that you have coming in. And, you know, obviously single family homes attract bigger families. And a lot of times the rates can be a lot higher because of multi-generational guests coming in and staying and they can pay a premium. So it, we start on kind of a 50,000 foot uh, view and then we kind of go down to that, you know, micro level is really the plan. Yeah, I know. I know this, 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 because there's so many elements. I mean, somebody, somebody asked me the yeah. other day is, you know, I think they thought they were going to get a short answer when they said, what's the first thing that somebody has to do before they go into this business? And I said, well, the short answer is, is research. And yeah. the long answer is, 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 is all those different elements of the research, you know, research into tour, into de you know, visitors, demographics, Re research into, um, as you say, regulation, research into the different areas. Because I know, I remember you doing, doing that fantastic workshop that I sat in on at the VRSS summit, the first, first summit we, we did. I remember what you did there. You, you, we, were, we were all sat in small groups 
and you gave each group a set of property sales figures. It's just the, the MLS, MLS report. The MLS report. It's just the, yeah. the listings themselves. You gave each group um, one of these listings or several of these listings. And then you gave us some sort of parameters to apply to decide whether it was a good investment or not. And and these these properties were in, in all in Orlando. It's very similar location. And to me, as a, let's say, an Orlando rookie, I've only ever been there mm-hmm. once, and that was last September. I, yeah. I, I just think, I go, Orlando, Disney, that's it. Yeah. Um, which I think a lot of people do, not realizing that there's, there's areas where HOAs, will have mm-hmm. all sorts of things in place that, that limit, restrict, or outright ban rentals. But for me, that was a huge eye-opener that investing in one place requires a, a massive amount of research to actually know, you know whether you know, one development is better than another and why. And then I guess in, in urban areas, exactly the same thing. You need to absolutely know your, the, the area that you're buying into. Oh yeah, and and who's visiting there, and what their high seasons are? What, what do people come there for? Um, are there any event? Are there any events that happen there? Um, I have a quick little story I can tell you. When I was looking at investment properties in Murphy, North Carolina, and I was looking at lots to build vacation rental, and I fell in love with this lot in this one community. It had the most unbelievable long-range mountain views. I could have put a tent right there and been happy the rest of my life. It was so wonderful, and I had this big grand plan of what I wanted to build there. As I was, you know, in the community looking at the lot, all of a sudden this lady comes flying around the corner of a mountain, which was scary in and of itself. She was driving so fast and she gets out of the car and she starts yelling at me and asking what I'm here for. Do I have plans to break into the houses? I need to get out of here right now. And I'm like, what's going on? And she's like, I'm my husband's on the HOA board. He's the president. And we need to know why you're here right now or you need to get out. And I said, well, I'm here to look at houses. She goes, well, you need to have a realtor with you. And she was really nasty and nasty and mean. And when I started talking to her and she realized I was a, I was a real buyer, um, she then changed her tune and was being very nice to me because she wanted to sell the house that she had for sale next door to hers. So she took me back to her property and showed me the one that she had listed for sale. The first thing I thought in my mind was, oh my gosh, if I have renters here, is this what they're going to have to deal with every single time they drive up to the property? Because this lady's house was right by the main road where people drive in and out. So she sees everybody that comes in and apparently follows them around. Uh, That was the first thing I could think was, even if it's allowed, even if it's legal here, what are my guests going to have to go through if I build a house here? So after I talked to her, I said, you know, do you guys allow short-term rentals here? I'm just curious. She said, well, we allow it, but we're trying to get rid of it right now. I don't want it in here anymore. And um, we're going to start voting on getting rid of it. I said, okay, thank you. And I left and obviously never bought that property or looked there again, which was so sad because I wanted it more than anything that you can imagine. And there, and I wouldn't buy it because I already knew that even if I could do short-term rentals today, they weren't tomorrow, it would be done. And then I couldn't rent my property out. So had I not had that unfortunate encounter, I probably would have bought the property but my recommendation for people is you always need to find out who's on the board and how do they feel about short-term rentals. Just knowing if it's approved or not is not enough because there could be somebody on the board fighting to get rid of it. A lot of the people on the board, and this is something I've noticed, board members are typically people that don't work anymore or they, they're retired or they don't need to work or whatever the case may be. But because it's a very um, 
extensive job to be on an HOA board. So most people that, you know, want to rent properties, have an income from it, that are working, they don't have time to sit on the board and fight this. So the people on the board are usually the ones that have nothing better to do than complain about everything and make everyone's life miserable. And I'm just saying it how it is. So if they can do something, if they can get something passed that doesn't pass, that doesn't suit them, it's most likely going to happen. So you want to find out who sits on the board, what they, how they feel about short-term rentals. Do they have any short-term rentals? And is it going to be a problem in the future? I've seen it happen so many times. This really t- does take the research down to a granular level, doesn't it? It is so. granular. It is. That's a perfect word because you can have done everything else right. And they have the final say. Even if the city says we're, we're good with it, we love it. The HOA can come in and be like, we're going to ruin everybody's day because we don't like it. A lot of people can't sit on the board and vote against it because they're not even local. Yes, it was. Um, th- th- there's been a, a, a situation in Orange Beach uh, recently. I've, I've mentioned this one before because Amy Hynote featured it on VRM Intel. It just so happens that Amy is currently living in Orange Beach. When the council um, met and decided that, um, that they were going to put forward a proposal to ban short-term rentals on the non-beach side of, of the road that goes through from Gulf Shores to Pensca, well to the Florida border, um, fortunately, Amy was there, was able to go to the meeting and actually hear what was going on. And uh, just as you said, the, the, the committee was made up of NIMBYs. It, and it was just, it just seemed senseless when I, when I read this, you know, Orange Beach or Baldwin County has 6,000 residents, mm-hmm. full-time residents. And I can't remember the exact number of short-term rentals that's in that, that's in that area, but they were going to kill their tourism business, kill the, the business that was coming into that area by by just not thinking about the consequences of their actions. They were simply there to further their own agendas. And I think Exactly. Yeah. This is it sounds like this is what happens in um in HOAs around the country. Yeah, it does. And that that's exactly what happens. People get on the board to further their own agenda and a lot of owners don't they're not able to, they're too busy, whatever the case may be. Um, and then you are bound to whatever new rules are enforced. Um, there are communities, though, that if you really do your research and look into it, if someone if someone is listing a home for sale that they've already been successful with for many years, um, I don't know I don't know how it works on other sites, but on Verlio, they're required to provide the information on their HOA, whether the HOA allows it and whether they plan to get you know get rid of it. And we're very strict about taking down listings that have given us false data. We're trying to eliminate that problem where people would be buying a property and the HOA is not okay with it. It's it's one of those things where if you can just get the the information on the HOA first before getting too attached to a property and just confirming that in while you do your due diligence, um, it's a very quick, easy way to find out what's going on. So just when you're looking and you find a property you love, even if the owner says all is good, just just get that HOA data and call them, find out, and double check on it. If if they're good with it, then I don't see any problems. Obviously, everything can always change, but you know that's the best thing you can do. There's no guarantees with it ever, uh, and there isn't anywhere. I don't think no, that, you know, anywhere where short-term rentals exist. Um, no, there is no guarantee. There, there is always going to be the potential of this sort of thing uh, popping up. I mean, it certainly is in Ontario at the moment. In in oh, yeah. a lot of our mun- municipalities. Um, we're, we're facing these issues as well. So I think, you know, a great idea to to 
check out the municipal municipalities um, minutes of their last meetings and, and yeah. see what's what's what the undercurrent is. See what's been going on over the last year. Don't don't just rely on on what somebody tells you. That there may be something brewing that they don't know about. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and we don't well, want to scare people and think that say, everything's bad. <laughs> I'm you just going to say it all sounds very scary, doesn't it? It does. It does. And you know, it's the funny thing is there's a lot of short-term rentals. There's, there's probably, I think more people that want them than don't want them. Um, but you know, as well as I do, it only takes a few to ruin it for everybody. So, um, I think for the most part, a lot of people are on board with it and okay with it. And I know as more and more vacation rental startups and existing companies come together and help fight it it will, um, it will further the sharing community in a positive way, but we're just all kind of fighting the good fight right now. And, and just trying to get that idea out there that no, not every single short-term rental is a party house. And no, you're not going to have a hundred people show up at your neighbor's house and burn the place down. I mean, that's kind of the concept that goes through these people's minds. There needs to just be more of an education of what short-term rentals are and who is staying in them. Most of the time it's people, it's, it's a nice couple that's, that's on a honeymoon or traveling, or it's a nice family. Um, I, I think more than less than 2% of the time, it's going to be a party house. I haven't seen here by me. I haven't seen any of that at all. Yeah, absolutely. But it's always, it's always those that, that hit the press, yeah. hit the media and the media love it. They, you know, oh, they do. how many times do you see, you know, Airbnb, um, rental unit trashed. Thousands yep. of kids turn up for a for a, um, <laughs> for a for a party. That that sort of thing. They love that. They're not going to talk about. There's hundred thousand that didn't have a party. Yeah, the nice family of four that came last week, and um, yeah. nobody really knew they were there. <laughs> that's, yeah, exactly. That's not going to hit the news. If you've got an investor out there going to um, you know going to look for vacation rental investment, where where are they going to search? Where where do they go? They can go to Rolio. Um, right now, I mean, that's the easiest place to go to. I mean, you can, you can go to Zillow, you can go to realtor.com, you can go to the traditional listing sites, but you won't be able to find the data you're looking for. So Vrolio is where they can go and they can search based on a very advanced filtering system, um, for properties. We, we can narrow it down based on tons of things. We can narrow it down based on the niche property you're looking for. We can narrow it down based on cap rate estimates. We can narrow it down based on if the owners are willing to stay on board or not and help you. Um, if they're willing to offer owner financing, um, if it's a seasoned rental, meaning if it's if it's an existing rental that's been performing or not, we have such an advanced filtering system that there is no easier way to search for a vacation rental as an investor. So that would be my recommendation. And I know I'm biased, but um, the reason it's here is because there is no other way to search for vacation rentals. And you're spending hours and weeks of your life having to do this research and due diligence that is just so difficult to track down. The problem, too, is that real estate agents, uh, less than 1% of them specialize in this type of investment. So even if you're working with a real estate agent, chances are they don't know what they're doing any more than you do. And I don't mean that in a negative way. I love real estate agents. Um, I've been one for 16 years. I work with them. Uh, but the problem is, is they're not trained for this. So um, being able to find real estate agents that are certified, that are trained, that know how to work with you, uh, if you're looking for that, you you can do that there, or you can look you can look at properties by owner. That's my shameless plug for Vrolio, but I, I really honestly I would tell you if I thought there was a better way. So so you, there, me there, you mentioned realtors, real estate agents. What yes. what are your thoughts on them and the short term rental market? I know you said there's a very very small percentage of them that have this experience. I can just tell you that they are so far behind the industry right now. 
Real estate agents can sometimes be incredibly stubborn when it comes to change. They, a lot of them don't ever think that they can be phased out of the industry. They think that people will always need them. I mean, I'm, I've, like I said, I was a real estate agent for 16 years. I understand when technology is moving forward with or without me, right? But a lot of real estate agents don't grasp that. So I think that there's been some sort of a resistance to learning this market, learning Airbnbs, learning that investors want this, how to sell them. Um, what what investors need when they're buying them. And and Heather, I know you and I were trying to re-educate real estate agents on this whole process of short-term rentals and uh, through offering certifications and education and all types of different programs. So I definitely think the real estate industry as a whole has not caught up yet, which is another reason why Virilio needs to be here because the industry as a whole just is so separated from short-term rentals, which short-term rentals are in fact a real estate investment. So I wish it it would be my dream if all real estate agents would learn this investment, they would uh, spend the time to get certified. They they would get educated on how to do this business because there's just so many investors. If you think about it, how many homes, Heather, do you know, do you think are on Airbnb and HomeAway right now combined? Um, Like it's over a million or so, right? Yeah. All right. So think about this. There's over a million or so properties on Airbnb and HomeAway. Every single one of those homes needs to be sold at some point. That is an enormous market to ignore. Mm -hmm. I mean, that is an absolutely enormous market to ignore. You cannot, if you're in real estate, you cannot afford to ignore that market anymore. Because as Airbnb grows, it, it just opens up an exit strategy for millions of homes that someone has to sell. And if you don't know how to do it, They'll do it on their own because now the technology is here for them to do that. I think a lot of people would prefer to have a real estate agent do it if they know how and if they're going to do a good job for them because it's a very difficult process to sell your home. It's it's very time consuming. But if the options don't exist to make it happen, people are very resourceful. They'll start doing it on their own. So the market is going to move forward with or without real estate agents. It already is. And it has been for a very long time. It's the question is whether real estate agents are going to wake up and pay attention to this market and get on board and capture a part of this market um, because it's a huge market. I know an, as an investor myself, I would rather work with a real estate agent than do anything myself. I'm a very busy person and I know you are too, Heather. If I have a real estate agent that I know is sharp and knows the market and is smart and can do all of the research for me or, and just show me what I, what I want to see, I am the happiest person alive that that person is going to get paid for that. And I don't have any qualms about them making money off of me if they can do that for me and save me all that time. And I know a lot of investors are that way. Unfortunately, real estate agents aren't specializing in this. I think I'm seeing more and more starting to wake up slowly. It's just very slow. Uh, Verolio is starting to sponsor some, you know, real estate events like Ari Bar Camp. um, And we're going to try to kind of preach the gospel to them about vacation rentals and get the word out there but it's it's just going to be a process. I I would love to see more real estate agents coming along to to events like like the yes. Vacation Rental Success Summit for example and actually seeing at first hand what's involved and 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 the growth the absolute massive growth of this industry in the last few years. Cuz I know when, yes. we, when we first talked what 3 or 4 years ago people were still talking about the vacation rental in- industry being in its infancy. And, and I think now it's probably in, if, if you're going to talk in those terms, we're probably getting into their teens. Um, yes, I agree. There is so much scope and so much room for growth. 
that it's uh, enormous. Yeah, that I, I just think that if, if realtors are out there and then they're not thinking that this should be a part of their education, then mm-hmm. and I and I know that I mean there are areas, a lot of areas where short-term rentals just aren't part of of their of their residential market. It's just not right. going to happen. Right. But anywhere where there are a significant amount of Airbnb listings and home away listings. As you Tourism say, in general. every one of those has got to sell at some point. And some, every one of them. Yeah. Somebody's going to come along and buy them and probably want to do the same thing because that's what pe- that's what's in people's minds at the moment. Yeah, absolutely. Anywhere there's tourism, anywhere there's there's people going on vacation is a market for this as long as the regulations allow it because we don't want people selling properties that are not regulated to do so just so they can try and get out of it. But, um, but anywhere the market allows for it is, is there. And it's a huge, there's huge amounts of markets in the United States alone, let alone the world. It, they definitely need to be paying attention. And I hope they do. I would love to see real estate agents sign up for the vacation rental success summit. Um, if there's any real estate agents listening and you do end up attending, which I hope you do, you won't regret it. Uh, I would love to talk to you when you get there and, you know, discuss this market because, I'm a huge proponent of getting more realtors on board with this. I think that's that's good enough reason for them all to come. <laughs> so, <laughs> I hope so. Well, you're speaking at Vacation Rental Success Summit this year again. Yes, thank you for having me back. So absolutely delighted to to see you there. So if do you have anything else about that you'd like to tell the audience about Vrolio? You know, I think I touched on a lot of the important points and there's just so much you can do on Vrolio. It's, it's kind of... Uh, its own little city, if you will. Um, the main thing is, is go check it out, go create a profile and start networking with people. Um, start, you know, we have suggested users you can start following like Heather and some industry influencers that you can really learn from, um, ask questions, start, just, just start getting to know what's going on and doing your research. It's a really great place to start doing your research and your property search. And if you're an owner looking to get out of the property and sell, that is right now the best place you can go. And I think the direction is only going to go up from here. I mean, if we can um, start to treat this this uh, short-term rental market like the billion-dollar industry that it is on the real estate side, we're going to see some massive explosions in the next five years on the real estate side of it. And um, you know, being a founding member on a, on a site like this is pretty exciting. So I hope you all check it out and and definitely add me and let's talk. You know, if you have questions, whatever I can do to help. I'll be putting a link to that in the show notes. (laughs) Yes, we have a Facebook group too. So if you are on Facebook, yeah, you can join the group and come chat. Heather makes an appearance there every now and then too. So we're very honored. (laughs) She's a busy woman. Yeah, well, we we all are. And you you and I, I mean, I know that you and I have got together several times over the past few years. And hopefully we're going to be coming together again before long and Talking oh, again yeah. about education for for the real estate industry, and I'm really looking forward to that. That's exciting for sure. You know, real quick on that topic, Heather, and I know we're going to wrap this up. Um, education in the real estate industry. You know, I've I've uh, looked over the current certifications that are available from NAR on um, the RSPS and the CIPS, and even though they're great certifications, in my opinion, yeah, they did a good job touching on legal stuff. Um, there's so much that's left out and there's so much that's not in there that I feel like even after going through that, you're left still not knowing what to do. It's kind of like we talked about earlier, um, with the owner, just kind of handing them a house and saying, here, figure it out. 
And so that's why I think that independent um, companies like yourself and myself, we have to put that information education out there because it's not currently out there for even real estate agents. Um, I don't know if you remember, there was a, a designation called the CDPE designation. It was back when the stress sales were a big thing during the, the boom and then everything crashed. During the crash, the CDPE designation took off like crazy and it wasn't a NARBACT certification. Um, it was independent. And millions of people were signing up for the certification because there was no other information available anywhere on the product. And so, which is distressed sales. And I feel like short-term rentals are now that, that black sheep, the way short sales were that black sheep. So we're trying to create the education and put it out there so that agents don't have to wait until somebody at NAR wakes up and puts a program together and it's been five years and it's already a thing. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. And it's going to be too late by then because people way too late. People will have, have, have got this experience of, of selling their own places on their own, doing it by yep. themselves and, uh, and bypassing the, 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 the valuable people who, who should be out there helping them. Yep. And, and without having that niche knowledge, really, what value can you offer the client? I mean, they can find the properties themselves on Vrolio, on the internet, on Trulia, on Zillow, on Realtor. They don't need a real estate agent to find the properties. So they can find it on their own. They can fly down and make appointments to see it on their own. Um, you have to offer that value and be there to, to be that in-between point and offer that value to the investor. And if you're not doing that, you'll definitely get eventually phased out of the market. I mean, we've seen movies about artificial intelligence replacing humans, and it's funny and we laugh about it. But I mean, in, in, all, middlemen will eventually be replaced if they don't start to specialize. It's very, it's very, uh, it's common sense. I think with the technology we have now, with the internet, middlemen aren't really as needed as they once were, unless they're really specializing in something that people need them for. And short-term rentals is one of those niches that people will always need somebody for if they have the right knowledge, because you'll save them time and you can offer them something about you. So yeah, on that note, let's, um, let, let's wrap it up. Let's um, just remind everybody that, uh, that Erica's new venture, new project is Vrolio.com. I think it's something that this market has been looking for for years. And as somebody who's tried to sell five or six properties, I I, th I think it's it's going to be a massive benefit for anybody who owns a vacation rental. Thank you, Heather. Yeah, I agree. I, I I think so too. It's based on years of knowledge and experience of needing it. So we think we've thought of everything, but we're always open to feedback too. Mm -hmm. So thank you. Well, I was so excited when you when you shared some of it to me, and and I and I actually got to to, to look at some of the some of the foundation of it back in October. So can't can't wait to get back and, and take a look now. So thanks, Erica, for joining me once again. And I'll look forward to seeing you in May. Thanks, Heather. You too. So it was so great to talk with Erica. And I spent a lot of time with her at VRSS. She had a great booth. She had a, she was talking to a lot of people. And of course, you know, there were, there were nearly two, 250, just under 250 people there every one of which owning a vacation rental that they're going to think of selling at some point in the future. So I cannot see anybody not wanting to really consider how they're going to sell that property. And Vrolio is going to give them the perfect platform to do it on. Also, since VRSS, Eric and I have been in a lot of discussion about our train the training program we are producing for realtors. 
and and that is going to be going live very soon. So certainly, if you're if you're a realtor and you're listening to this and you want to know about uh, Vrolio and the certificate of for vacation rental agents, Sevra, just get in touch with us and we'll make sure we put you on the list so that you can be informed as soon as it goes live. So here I am now back in Ontario. The sun is shining. We're in a heat wave. Um, we were talking today about how we have these amazing extremes of temperature. You know, it seems like only three or four weeks ago that we had an ice storm. And, and now all I hear about is comp- people complaining about the heat. So uh, that's it for another week. Stay tuned. Mike and I will be discussing VRSS 18 and maybe giving some hints on VRSS 19. Uh, if you tune in to us next week and I'll talk to you then. This episode of Vacation Rental Success is over, but don't worry, Heather will be back soon. Want more great resources? Visit cottageblogger.com for tips, tricks, downloads, and strategies to help you achieve profit from your vacation rental business.